Hello, I'm Dr. Adrian Wiesner. I'm a hematologist working in Bethesda, Maryland of the United States, and I'm here in San Diego at the annual ASH meeting. I was uh, chairing a session um, reporting on novel treatments or follow-up of novel treatments for patients with chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And we had six presentations. I think we actually have two, we have three different team, themes in this. The first one was really the minimal residual disease guided approach using ibrutinib and venetoclax combination therapy. So this is a study called the FLARE study. It was conducted primarily in the United Kingdom and presented by Dr. Peter Hillman. It is a very sophisticated approach in which the duration of this double combination is guided by whether patients achieve undetectable minimal residual disease. And this is being measured with flow cytometry. Patients who achieve this relatively early, say after two years, continue an additional two years of treatment. Patients who take longer to achieve UMRD, undetectable minimal residual disease, will also continue treatment for longer. This approach has been really successful, has um, very few patients have relapsed, and the comparator arm was chemoimmunotherapy with fludarabine, cytoxin, and rituximab. And this, uh, this approach with ibrutinib benetoclax was way superior for progression-free survival and actually also for overall survival. The second presentation builds on this. It was given by Dr. Rostran, who discussed the methodology of how they assess minimal residual disease. He compared peripheral blood assessments versus bone marrow assessments. And with the typical cutoff of 10 to the minus 4, his sense was that bone marrow examination still adds information. If you can even go further to 10 to the minus 5 cells, then a bone marrow examination seems not to be necessary. So I think, practically speaking, the promise here is that we can get rid of bone marrow biopsies to assess, really, the response to treatment if we can implement this really high-sensitivity flow cytometry approach. The next two presentations focused on a time-limited combination that was what was discussed was really fixed duration treatments with, again, ibrutinib and venetoclax combination. The first presentation by Dr. Gia reported on the Captivate study, which was a time-limited two-year uh, study with ibrutinib venetoclax. Here, patients um, after discontinuation were assessed for the presence of resistance mutations. And the main readout here is that when you approach this with time-limited combinations, they did not see emergence of mutations that we associate in other studies with resistance to ibrutinib or generally to BTK inhibitors. Another study that 
used this combination of ibrutinib venetoclax is the GLOW study presented by Dr. Follows. And it also shows a really beneficial, this is a one-year combination therapy that was compared to chlorambucil obinutuzumab. And was this targeted combination was very superior to the chemoimmunotherapy. And then we had two presentations. One is an update from the large randomized study by the German CLL study group, the Gaia study, that compared multiple venetoclax-based regimens. So venetoclax was rituximab, venetoclax was obinutuzumab, venetoclax, obinutuzumab, and ibrutinib versus either FCR or bendamustine rituximab. Depending on age, the patients did get, get different chemotherapy regimens. I think some remarkable findings here are, first of all, these are the time-limited therapies for one year. The obinutuzumab venetoclax emerges as, I would say, the preferred regimen because it has a better tolerability than when you also add the ibrutinib. And the additional benefit of adding ibrutinib was not really remarkable for an improvement in progression-free survival. What's also very interesting is that rituximab with venetoclax was not better than chemotherapy and was actually less efficacious than venetoclax with obinutuzumab. So I think when possible, this looks like the preferred way of combining an anti-CD20 with venetoclax. For overall survival, there's no difference between these regimens. So suggesting that for patients who have good salvage options, it's really primarily a benefit of progression-free survival at this time, and maybe not yet for overall survival. And then the final presentation was by Dr. Sharman, presenting the LFATN study, where they combined acalabrutinib, well, they tested acalabrutinib, also in combination with acalabrutinib obinutuzumab, versus chemoimmunotherapy. And again, the targeted agents are better. The two targeted acalabrutinib-based regimens had a better PFS. There was a slight improvement with the addition of the antibody. It's always been a bit of a discussion whether that actually means we should use acalabrutinib in combination with obinutuzumab. The difference is not very large. The tolerability of just single-agent acalabrutinib is excellent, and adding obinutuzumab does add definitely some infusional side effects, does add additional neutropenia. So maybe single-agent acalabrutinib is good and is really a good match of tolerability and efficacy. But in any case, certainly much better than the chemoimmunotherapy comparison. So this was um, really a session updating studies that were all presented in detail before. So the focus here was really on the long-term benefit patients obtain from the 
targeted therapy.